Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Politics Done Right. I am your host, Egberto Williams. This is the progressive program that will take the mystery out of politics. This is the program that will encourage you to make sure government becomes we the people. Whether you are liberal, conservative, or otherwise, you get to air your point of view. Remember, you can also send me a tweet to E-G-B-E-R-T-O-W-I-L-L-I-E-S. That is, at Egberto Williams. Let us engage. It is politics done right. One, two, three, four. Well, folks, welcome to one more edition of Politics Done Right. I'm Egberto Willis, your host. Thank you so kindly for being a part of the program. Once again, we're going to have a great show today. I'm kind of behind schedule. I'm running very, very late after trying to get a whole lot of blogs put out there and some other issues taken care of. But today we're going to talk about Trump care. We're going to talk about health care again. I mean, it, 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 is a recurrent, it is a recurrent subject, right? We have to do this because that is what's dominating the country right now. Not only that, but that affects millions, millions of Americans. In fact, that affects every single American who has to have health insurance. If you're uh, wealthy with a few million dollars or actually with a few billion dollars, hi, Libby Sofer, welcome aboard. Good morning. If you're, if, you're, if you're one of those wealthy, you don't have a whole lot to worry about. But if you are one of the average American citizens, then it affects you. I'm sorry that I hadn't gotten a chance to post the, um, the pre-show, if you will, what we're going to talk about. In fact, I just, got, I, I just got the blog talk and all these other guys set up because, like I said, I was uh, kind of running behind. But look, we're going we're gonna to talk about does the free market really work in healthcare. Let me, let, me, let me qualify a few things before uh, people start coming in and start calling, uh, ma- making, making those who believe as I do uh, uh, somehow refer to them as communists or anything else. No, we are not communists or anything of that nature. What we want to do is we want to make sure the system works for all. Hi, Deb Jones, Arizona. Hi, Trisha Cassiato. From Georgia, welcome aboard the show. Glad to see you here. I think I also saw uh, Representative uh, Congresswoman uh, Karjala. Welcome aboard to the show. Welcome aboard the show. Anyhow, uh, what are we going to talk about? The free market. Does the free market work in healthcare? Well, in my humble opinion, and I don't think I have to say it, it's my humble opinion, I think the reality is that reality has answered that question for us, right? We have never had a, a system, our healthcare system for eons have actually been done through the free market. Don't let anybody fool you about government takeover of healthcare and Medicare is a big part of government and Medicaid is a big part of government and all of that. Do not be taken in by those fallacies. All Medicare and Medicaid do is they pay a bill. That's all they do, they pay a bill. But as far as our healthcare system proper, it is a private system. What do I mean by that? Doctors have to pay the inordinate fees to go to college to get a degree. Hospitals or private can do whatever they want. Doctors or private can do whatever they want. Drug companies can do whatever they want. And we're going to talk a little bit about drug companies 
For those who haven't listened to the program before, I have a whole lot to say about drug companies and how they pilfer everybody, how the drug companies pilfer everybody. So we're going to talk about that. But I want to, I want to also tell folks that in these, and hi, Nanette Jones. Hello, my brother. How you doing, Nanette Jones? Welcome aboard the show as well. I want to remind folks that nothing is over until it's over. For all those who are thinking that, well, uh, it seems like Trump care is going to fail. I am not sure it's going to fail. I still believe that there's a very good chance. And in fact, I believe it's more than a 50% chance that what's going to happen is a bill is going to go through, whether it's a, a, what the Senate has or whether it's what uh, the new uh, congressman from Nebraska say he wants, which is let's just repeal Obamacare and then go ahead and work about trying to fix it. I mean, to, to go ahead and try to create some sort of a, of a health care system. Well, the reality is Republicans are fully in charge and Republicans have never, ever, ever believed in having health care for the masses. They never believe that. They treat health care as a product. If you listen to the, in fact, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to read the blog of the week, what, what jo- Joanne Reed had with Mr. Binion this morning, that's, that shows you exactly how the, the thinking process is. It shows you exactly how these people think about healthcare. So what I'm going to do is I think I am going into immediately, uh, is this the right, am I on the right thing? Yeah, jump into uh, what we call here. Uh, the blog of the week, and I don't. When I when I'm doing the show on on Coffee Party Radio, I don't have the engineer that I have that my my producer that work, works with me at KPST. So I have to make sure and get all these uh, intros and so forth set up. So we're gonna go for the blog of the week. Now. It's time for the weekly blog post. Okay, this morning, as I did a whole lot, this morning was a tough morning. I got up in the morning and I did my spinning. You know, uh, I don't want to. I don't want to get involved with the health system. I'm trying to stay healthy. I take my vitamins. I exercise a lot. I try to keep my stress level down. The last time I went to the doctor, my blood. A uh, few last year, my blood pressure went through the roof. So I decided that I needed to start taking care of myself and taking those blood pressure medications. Folks, make sure and keep those blood pressures under control because we don't want to necessarily get involved into the system. As it turns out, there was a guy, uh, a, a, a Trump care shill that appeared on Joanne Joy Reed's show today. So Joanne Reed, the, the, the title of the blog post that I did is called Joanne Reed Grills Congressman and Blasts uh, Trump Care for Its Evilness. And I think I should say blasts. That may be a grammatical error. I may have to fix that later. Anyhow, Joanne Reed did not hold back as she, uh, uh, she did, did not hold back at all. Is this, is this the right one that I'm reading here? Let, let me make sure I'm reading the correct. Actually, you know what? I'm reading the correct, the, 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 the incorrect blog of the week. So I need to go to the correct blog of the week, which is the one that we did this morning with Joanne Reed. Here it is. You know, sometimes... We have a little, uh, like I said this morning, I was rushing. Come on, come on, computer, come on up. Okay, it's called, whenever it comes up, I can ever get it to come up. Let's see, this is the product here that we're looking at. Look, I'm talking about products. Okay, here it is, I hope. Let's see if I get to the right one. I think I clicked the right one now. The title is, Joanne Reed Grills Trump Care Shill Defending free market 
health care. And it, and it goes as follows. Joanne Reed asked the Trump care shill attempting to mislead Americans a question he could not answer even as he continued to push the free market for health care. Even as he continued to push the free market for health care. goes as follows. John Reed asked the most important question that asked the politicians and shills supporting Trump care that all must ask. Tom Binion, the director of Congressional Relations for the Heritage Foundation, appeared on her panel. Anybody who wants to know who the Heritage Foundation is, the Heritage Foundation is a think tank that generates data to support the conservative ideology. In other words, the, the, that think tank, the Heritage Foundation, they don't allow the data to dictate reality. They cook the data so that the reality it seems to dictate imitates what conservatives want. The difference between progressives and conservatives is con- progressives, by definition, makes the, uh, forces the data to speak for them. These guys who have a conservative ideology do not care about data. They do not care about any of this. They have an ideology they want to live by. In other words, if they find that dinosaur fossils are there and it says a few million years, they make it 4,000 years or whatever the age of the Bible is or the age of the Bible and pre-Bible are. But as far as what affects Americans, we have to go with facts. Anyway, this guy is the director. What, what, what did I say he was? This guy was the, or is the director at, uh, at the Heritage Foundation, director of congressional relationship at the Heritage Foundation. In other words, he's a lobbyist for the Heritage Foundation. There is an important interchange in the excerpted video that's in the blog post that one must watch. Jonathan Cohn, Huffman, Huffman, uh, HuffPost senior national correspondent, pointed out an absolute, and this is what he said. Relative to what we have today, Cohn said, If you pass the Senate bill, pass the House bill, substantially more Americans in the millions will be struggling relative to today. Reed then asked Binion to chime in on Cohn's statement. (laughs) What do you think this guy is going to say? I think think you can surmise what he's going to say. This is what he said. It is faulty logic to say that every dollar the federal government spends on health insurance is the only dollar that can help people. Binion said, we know from 200 years of American history that the free market and free enterprise deliver the best products. Why would we take that out of health market? Now, Before I continue with the blog, I want to do a few things with people because people like to use these things interchangeably. They like to use capitalism, they like to use free markets, and they like to use free enterprise interchangeably. I am not for neither capitalism in its current form or free markets in its current form because these are simply free markets Make, gives you the impression that you are free. Free markets give plutocrats the freedom to screw you. That's what's free in free markets. In other words, it's free from government. It is free from we the people. Capitalism then commoditizes your worth, your value. 
Your excess labor becomes the wealth, the rich of other people. What I am always for is free enterprise. Every one of us have our own enterprises, or we can have our own enterprises. You want to be a barber? Be a barber. You want to be a doctor, independent doctor? Be an independent doctor. You want to be a lawyer that works for yourself? Do it. I am a software developer. I have a software company that I'm winding down right now, of course. And Jessica Cargella just, I'm not done with the, the blog, we just made a very important point. The free market have not created any recent cures for anything. And that is a fact. And I'm going to mention some other issues with drug companies that need to be said as well. But anyhow, what we want is free enterprise. Free enterprise means as an individual or as a group of individuals, you can go form things, create products, all these other things, you have a responsibility. And that responsibility comes from we the people, what we the people have given you access to, your streets, your freeways, your water systems, your sewer systems, your electrical grids, and well, a lot of the electrical grids are private, but you get the point. The point it comes with, free enterprise comes with responsibility. Free markets is laissez-faire, and capitalism, as played out today, is an evil entity that has simply ravaged, ravaged most of humanity, ravaged most of humanity. Remember, the United States is insular, or I should say, United States, Europe, Australia, and these other countries are not the majority of the population. But they are insular in that, you know, we, 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 there was a time when we talk about takers and makers and all of that kind of stuff. What happens is we don't see where all the taking takes place. We don't see the takings of bauxite in, in Jamaica. We don't look at the takings of oil in Venezuela. We don't look at the taking in, in resources from, from those Asian countries where, there are, where the only reason we participate in those wars is because we want those rare earths. We want those rare materials. We don't look at it that way. So all we see is from the frame of mind of the United States of America, all's good. And for the most part, people are the free enterprise corporations or not free enterprise, but the capitalist corporations can do as they please. And somehow we, we, we're kind of okay. But the system falls down. And that's the reason why, if you notice, by definition, everybody is getting poorer but a few. And it's a mathematical reality. You can't have some growing at 3% while the, while the wealthy grow at 7%. It's a mathematical impossibility, folks. What we have to do is try to relate this to the average Joe Blow, to Appalachia. We got to go to Appalachia and talk to our brothers and sisters in Appalachia and say, hey, let's try and get real here. Your conditions, your problems aren't the, aren't the were not caused by those others that are coming across the border. They were not caused because these other people you believe are taking more from government than you are. The reality is, if we want to be honest, those who are most taken from governors, uh, from government lives in, live in those states that elect these Republicans that want to stay in power. Though that is the welfare state. The welfare states are the red states. The welfare states are the states that least want government, even though they depend more on government. But I need to continue with the blog so I can finish 
and then get into our the rest of our show. Joy and Reed asked the most important. Uh, let's see where I was. No. Okay. This is what uh, Binion said. Binion replied to the guy who said people are going to be worse off. He said, it is faulty logic to say that every dollar the federal government spends on health insurance is, o- is the only dollar that can help people, Binion said. We know from 200 years of American history that the free market and free enterprise deliver the best products. Why would we take that out of healthcare? I need to remind Brother Binion that a lot of that, he, what he forgot to say is also free labor. Free labor from black slaves, free labor from our Asian brothers and sisters who built the Pacific Railroad, free labor from the Indians who were enslaved as well, but little talked about. I mean, there's a whole lot of other things that we just can't say the free market system made America what it was. America became America because it had the largest pool of free labor in the world on a per capita basis. So it's not capitalism that built this country solely. Now, I want to be fair. Capitalism, as exploitative as it is, did a whole lot to speed up a lot of changes in this country. But again, the spoils from those changes went to a select few. Yeah, a few millions, but that's a select few based on the total population of the United States of America. Anyhow, Joanne Reed responded, You are giving us theoreticals, Reed responded. We are telling you that if you take the absolute dollars that you spend to cover people with Medicaid to give people insurance card, and you reduce that by a trillion, that means fewer people can be helped by the program. If you repeal the Medicaid expansion, everyone who was added to Medicaid because of the expansion comes off of Medicaid because the expansion is no longer there. That is common sense. Common sense, right? Let's see. Uh, Jessica has an interesting statement. Ayn Rand's all all commodification at the expense of human health, human spirit, and human life is not only unethical, it should be illegal. You're absolutely right, Jessica, because it also borders on murder. You have it, you said, and why do I say murder? Because the people are forced. I mean, the, the, the ultimate result is death, and death from a cause is murder. Anyhow, continuing uh, with what, what Joanne Reed said, she said, that means fewer people can be helped by the program. If you repeal the Medicaid expansion, everyone who was added to Medicaid because of the expansion comes off of Medicaid because the expansion is no longer there. Common sense, right? Theoreticals about the free market does not give people health care. So says Joanne Reeves, talking about free market makes you feel good, but it does not give anyone a medical card. Binion came back with a standard conservative talking point about the government not able to solve our problems. Then he lied about the bill not kicking anyone off of Medicare. Reed then asked the most important question. Then, why weren't those people insured under the free market system we had before Obamacare? And yes, we did have a free market system before Obamacare. And in fact, Obamacare is a free market system. And the flaws within Obamacare is because it is following a capitalist form of the free market system. Just one with a heart. The government gave Obamacare, I mean, the government gave 
our policies a heart. In other words, we say, we don't want you to die, so we're going to help you. We want you to have insurance. We want you to be cared for, but we're going to help you. But it's going to cost a lot because to help you, we still have to give the billions of profits to the health industry. We have to give the billions of profits to the drug companies, the hospital companies, the CEOs, and everybody else. But we're going to help you. We're going to help you, but everybody is going to pay too much because to help you, these companies are asking for a pound of flesh. They're asking for your wealth. So while you have health care, you won't be able to grow your wealth as others could or others can. That is what it's all about. Read then ask the most important question, why was it better on the free market? Binion's answer was pathetic as he claimed many could have, could have but did not choose to do so. He then said that Trump care does not gut the Medicaid expansion. Joanne Reed told him his statement was not true. Folks, this is a call-in show. Remember, I'd love to hear your voices, not only your not only on, on Facebook Live, but your voices as well. As usual, you know, if you if you listen to me every week, I always have to Remember to find what my uh, the phone number is for the call-in. We can take a whole bunch of calls at once. Telephone number, 646-929-2495. And let me see if I can get my mouse to work, which is failing me dearly. But the telephone number is 646. Here it's working now. 646-929-2495. And what I will do as well, and I see John is here with us already, what I will do is I am going to put that in the thread so that people can see what that number is, but I better bring up the thread if I want to do so. But anyhow, let's go ahead and bring John into the conversation. John, how are you doing, my friend? Oh, I'm good. Good afternoon, Egberto. Good afternoon. How do you like the, the, new, the new proposal that these guys are coming for? Let's repeal. And after we repeal, then we can think about, then the Democrats are going to come running and begging us to do something that is better for the American people. What do you think about that? Oh, I think it's awful. I mean, you know, because I I saw uh, CBO numbers, you know, from 2011 saying that, you know, if if there was a repeal, it would be 36 million uh, people that would be out of insurance. Okay, yeah. thirty-five, thirty-six. But I mean, yeah, I mean that's so. I mean, yeah, I mean it's just you know it's just totally immoral and uh, you know it's 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 unbelievable and you know like I said I think last week this is the worst bill uh, you know of my lifetime. This is also the biggest push by you know the the plutocracy uh, to to destroy you know the uh, the working class and the middle class and so right. I mean this is. This is the epitome of all, you know, the shock doctrine and all of the Republican extremism, which really they were never be able to put in place until they had the House, the Senate, and the presidency. And now they're right. doing it. But, but I mean, there has the good news is there has been a tremendous pushback, and you've covered that pushback very well, uh, you know, on your radio shows, on this on this podcast, on your on your uh, EgbertoWillies.com. So, you know, you've done a good job about that, and the resistance is strong, and uh, I feel, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit more optimistic than you are. I mean, of course, I don't want to give too much credit to the so-called moderates in the Senate because, you know, uh, 
you know, I I was I didn't think it would pass in the house, and I guess right. most journalists didn't either, and and yet it did, and so, but I mean, I think that this is a little bit different. I think you have a larger constituency in the Senate, and uh, I think that more people will be affected by, like, let's say the the Medicaid expansion. And, you know, I, I think people also realizing that they're going to have the, the political cost that they would pay if this actually came into place would be tremendous. And I think mm-hmm. Chris Hayes has talked about that a lot, and Steve Schmidt has talked about that a lot. And so, I mean, of course, I think it's still going to be tremendous because what we've talked about is the the Republican sabotage, and it just drives me absolutely crazy every time that Trump tweets out, Obamacare is dead, you know, because we need to have our side saying it is saying it it, it may, it's not going to die. I mean, even if they don't pass it, it's just going to be, you know, but there will probably will be sections of the country in a lot of rural areas that, that won't have an ACA uh, outlet to, to get insurance, and the, the insurance premiums are already increasing. I mean, people are already getting notices, you know. God, let me tell you something. I, I want to interrupt you for a while because you touched on something that I did earlier this this uh, week. I made a, I, I, you know, I was sitting down in my living room, and I, uh, you know, I was watching MSNBC and, and CNN, you know, I put these two things on, and uh, they, they brought on some, you know, they brought on Democrats, they brought on Republicans. Every Republican out there said, uh, you know, we need Obamacare is collapsing. We need to fix it. And that's the reason whatever the bill looks like, we have to get rid of Obamacare. It's failing. And, you know, they were saying all these things. And then they asked, they, they bring on the, the Democrat and the Democrat says, oh, uh, Obamacare is, uh, or, or they're saying that the, the bill that the Republicans are passing are just there. It's just a tax cut for the rich and it's transferring wealth to the rich and that sort of thing. For which I got rather upset because the, the Republicans have a great talking point. They, they have destroyed Obamacare uh, since Rubio passed that uh, bill that prevented, uh, change, you know, prevented the, the recovery for the insurance companies. Risk corridors. Yeah, the, the risk, he destroyed the risk corridors. And then they progressively started doing other things. Uh, Donald Trump stopped the advertising to bring people into Obamacare. He threatens that he's not going to pay the insurance companies. And because of that, many just throw their hands up in the air and say, well, we're not going to be there. We don't want to be there because it's too, it is too, uh, it, 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 too risky. So therefore, they sabotage Obamacare, which means October, people are going to get the shock of their lives with Obamacare, which will seem then that Obamacare is not working. But Democrats, instead of preparing the land, preparing the landscape by going into Appalachia, going into everywhere and say, hey, these rates are going to be going crazy because Trump did this, because uh, Tim Price did X, Y, Z. They should be screaming that on the, uh, on the screens. Democrats should. They should be out there saying this is what's happening and this is what will happen in October. Instead, they are going to make the case that when October comes and the prices come out, they will make the reality of what Republicans are saying. In other words, uh, Obamacare is, is collapsing. The prices are too high. The coverage is too bad. Only, there's only one or no uh, health company. I mean, health insurance companies in your market. By saying these things now, what the Republicans are saying, October is going to make what they're saying seem true because the Democrats would not have laid the framework that said these prices are going to be high. 
they're going to be high because of the sabotage occurring by, by Republicans. The problem is they will say that in October, but by the time they said that in October, or they say that in October, it will be too late. Hi, uh, Tracy uh, Summer. It, by then, it will be too late. Democrats continue to make the same mistake, and unfortunately, I do not believe it's a mistake. We have two portions of the Democratic Party. We have the progressive section of the Democratic Party, and we have the establishment side of the Democratic Party. And what happens right now is I believe that the, the ump of most Americans is a universal healthcare system, Medicare for all system. That is where 60 plus percent of Americans are right now. And if the establishment Democrats jump on board, they take that message as well. They promote that message and we win. The problem is many of these Democrats are in pawn as well to the same industry that the establishment Republicans are. That's the healthcare industry, the oil industry. I mean, they're, I mean, it's just a racket that I think we need to we need to take care of. What I tell, let's see. Uh, Jessica said Republicans beat us them on messaging every time. You're absolutely correct. You're absolutely correct. So what we have to do as progressives is we have to go beyond the party. We have to usurp the party. We have to make sure, just like, it is amazing, because Obama kind of coalesced to, to uh, the establishment a bit, not fully, but a bit, when he was in power. But when he ran his campaign, he ran his campaign away from the establishment in such a manner that he could get to the people. That is what the grassroots needs to do right now. Come on in, Don. Yeah, I slightly disagree with you a little bit on the on the sabotage thing because I am hearing, you know, I mean, it, it's not at the forefront of of you know journalists, and so I mean, it's not being talked about as much because everybody's, I mean, the main issue is whether they're going to tra- pass Trump Care. So I mean, I, so I can kind of understand why they're not talking about uh, about the 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 actual uh, sabotage because you know if they pass Trump Care, the sabotage won't matter, you know. I, so I mean, I but I here's what I'm saying, John. I don't I, I I'm interrupting because I need to kind of put right there. I want to make a point. Um, the thing about it is, I think. McConnell is willing to put Trump care on ice for a bit. I think so. I think he's, he's willing to put Trump care on ice because October is going to give him a whole lot of opportunities. And I don't think people realize how bad October is going to be. And that is my biggest fear. People do not understand what is coming in October. They st- and you know what? Insurance companies are going to be complicit in October, because they get a great deal with, uh, I mean, now that now that they see the possibility, at first they were they were fearful, they were fearful of of, of, of taking risks, and they wanted Obamacare to stay because yeah, Obamacare did bring them a whole lot of money, but Trump Care has the ability to give them even more. It reduces the total amount of money that comes into healthcare, I mean, into the insurance companies, but it does it at a much higher profit margin. Imagine if you can start selling $200 a month insurance that does nothing. Think about that. You start, you're, you're talking about free money. Remember, there, there were limits that Obamacare put on insurance companies, no more than 20%. They could not claim administrative costs on 20%. On more than 20% uh, of the of the assets that they of the uh, 
the premiums that they take in. Medicare, of course, is able to do it at 3%. Oh, so much for the free market doing a whole lot better than that free market's doing a whole lot better than government. I'm sorry. Uh, mathematics is absolute. If you have service plus profit equals total, the mere fact that you have profit attached your profit becomes an expense in healthcare. Remember that, folks. Don't let anybody fool you. In healthcare, profit is nothing more than an expense. Profit, I do business. I have my own company. I write all this stuff, you know, all the numbers. Profit is an expense in healthcare. Come on in, John. I didn't mean to interrupt that. I just wanted to kind of clarify what I was saying before. Right. I mean, you know, I, I've I've seen uh, actual pushback. I mean, I know Anthem did promote Trump Care, but I mean, other health insurance companies didn't. And so, I mean, I, I think what a lot of people also are thinking about, and this is what Sean Spicer told told, and this is kind of a, a Republican talking point. In other uh-huh. words, you know, if, if we can't repeal this, what they're saying this is a cynical move, like people wouldn't agree to it. But in other words, we're going to go to single payer. In other words, you know, we can we can. In their mind, you know, the ACA was a failure, even though in my mind it wasn't. I, you know, I, obviously I prefer single payer, but I, I you know, you can just if you just compare it the way it was before ACA and after ACA, I mean, it, it's helped so many people get insurance. You know, I mean, obviously it needs tweaks, and right, single payer right. is is the way to go. But I mean, in, in their mind, what they're saying is, you know. A government, you know, what they even though they consider, you know, like single payer a government takeover in their minds, that's it, that's bad. In my mind, I mean, it's it's actually, you know, uh, great because I mean, I don't really care, you know, who helps people. I, I think the government, you know, has helped people, you know, mm-hmm. throughout the the history of our country, and and right now, you know, we have. Medicare that's helping people. We have Medicaid that's helping people. We have Social Security that's helping people. We have food stamps that are helping people, and all those all those items are essential. So, you know, as far as the insurance companies, they have to be thinking about their own survival. And you know, I just think that as far as long term planning, you know, they have to be thinking about single payer. And so it seems like that they would try to mitigate that. And, you know, in the ACA is kind of, I mean, the, the insurance companies don't make a lot of money on the ACA. They make their money on employer insurance because just comparatively in numbers, you know, there's just so many more people in employer insurance than there are in the ACA. But and so I, I, I I do think that that is a factor in in their in their long term planning, and so I don't I don't really know if they really want Trump Care to succeed or or not. I mean, all you know, I, I mean, I'm sure you're aware of uh, most of your listeners are too that all of the the customer, I mean, the the patient advocacy groups and people like the the AMA and the doctors mm-hmm. groups, and I mean, they're all against it. I mean, all right. of them. I mean, I've never seen something that's that's been so consistent. And so, so anybody who has a moral conscience and wants to help people, and I think it's also just from a financial point of view, they want this. But I mean, part of it, like the AMA. I mean, I think that they they also know that single payer is is you know could be on the brink you know, and so that's not going to help them from a financial point of view. But but uh, you know, but the ACA is like a a good you know middle in between, 
And let, me, so, let me qualify something, and I don't think, you know, a lot of people will hit me up for saying this, but even if we go, uh, if we go single payer, right, it's not going to be the panacea because the lobbyists are going to be there, and, and even insurance companies will be uh, likely taken care of. We go single payer, the way they're going to do it, including from Democrats, is they're going to say, okay, we'll create a consortium of insurance companies who, always, who are going to run it. Look. Ultimately, the government is going to uh, likely work with lobbyists of all these guys to implement this thing. The thing that I want, the, the thing that we want is that uh, people are able to go into the doctor, see their doctors when they get ill and not have inordinate fees. And we want paying for healthcare to be progressive, right? In other words, we don't want that I, if I make a million dollars and you make $10 million, that, that my payment into, into uh, healthcare uh, is the same as yours. Society comes together because together we realize we can do, uh, we do much better. And not only that, you know, I want to say, I want to kind of switch the subject a little bit. Capitalism, by de- definition, they claim, allows for the efficient allocation of resources, right? But that is a fallacy because there's a reason that a stockbroker makes more than a doctor, that a stockbroker makes more than your garbage man and all of that. Well, maybe the garbage man somewhat, but I tell you, I love my garbage man. Uh, you know, it, it, is not, it is not really an efficient way of allocating resources at all. Capitalism, as, as, as implemented by whomever, by uh, Smith and all these guys, is simply a system that works well for a particular group of people, and we try to expand on that. We have to, we have to make sure that capitalism is just a tool. We have to make sure that all these items are tools. We first figure out what we want to do. We want health care for everybody. So what we say is everybody in America is going to be able to have health care, period. That is it. Now we build the tools that are necessary to affect that reality. We don't do it the other way around, which is what we do right now. Right now what we do is we say, oh, we can't have everybody insured because we cannot afford it. Okay, if we cannot afford it, do we, does that mean we're comfortable as a society for all those other people to die. And by the way, Rebecca, I didn't see that letter yet, but I do understand. I, I do understand what the letter is saying, of course, and that is, and it is true. And that is, you know, insurance or businesses. Look, I am not anti-insurance company, or I'm not anti-business, anti-anything. I'm anti-anything that hurts people. My car insurance doesn't hurt me. If I simply can't afford car insurance, I walk. I take a bus. Right? If I can't afford, but medical insurance is different. It falls into a different category. It falls into a different category, and it should not be treated as a product. Everybody by right to say if they have an ailment, they should be able to see a doctor. It's, that's the humane thing. Society makes compromises with our freedoms. You know, the Republicans like, like you want your freedom to choose well, if the freedom to choose means that some of us have no freedom to choose because we have no wherewithal to have health care, and progressively that is increasing to the vast majority of Americans. If 70-something percent of Americans are on Medicaid, you know, the, the Republicans look at that as those are a whole bunch of losers. We look at that as there is a systemic problem within our economy if 70-something percent of Americans need to be on Medicaid. There are two ways to look at a problem. If all these people, do you want to tell me that there are 71 
million loafers in America. I, look, I know a lot of people. I know loafers. And the vast, even some of the loafers that I know would love to have a job as long as it doesn't make them hurt when they go home at night. But they'll work. Most people, even the loafers, want to work. Most people see the dignity in doing something. Most people don't want to be considered takers or beggars or anything like that. Our society, believe it or not, wants some people to lose their dignity so that because it is more efficient for them. Let's see, Jessica, policy based on unregulated, unbridled capitalism disproportionately tilts the playing field in favor of the already wealthy, those with the most resources to maintain or fight for more wealth and power, uh, more wealth. You're absolutely right, Jessica, and, and that is what other people don't understand. There are two concepts with that, right? The first one is that if you have more money, you can build more things, you can have more things, and if you have more things, that make money, you make more money off of more things. The person who doesn't have money, the person who doesn't have capital cannot, will never be able to catch up, right? Mathematically speaking, this isn't like, you know, Republicans like to use things that, oh, the free market is the best system since apple pie, or it is great if you just get a job. The reality is, let's not just look at that. Let's look at the mathematics behind these issues. Like I said, what's going to bring down our country most of all by making everybody else indentured servants is a simple reality. And I repeat this all the time because a lot of people come into the show and leave the show and come into the show and leave. But here is the, on the, the reality. The wealthy rate of return on their wealth is much higher than everybody else's wealth return, which goes from negative right up to one or two percentage points. While the wealthy is in sometimes low single digit or large upper digit. This is a growing pie. If you have a growing pie, think about it. A pie is growing, but as that pie grows, the percentage that's allocated to the top 1%, the top 15% or whatever, is larger than the percentage growth of the everything else that means if you keep looking at that pie, that pie is going to be, that 1% portion of that pie keeps growing because it's growing faster than the ones for the rest of the, the, for the masses. And the masses keep shrinking. That is a mathematical result of unfettered capitalism as we have today. It's a mathematical thing. It's not that these people are bad people, although some are, but it's not that the guy who goes to, to, to business school because he wants to be a capitalist to reap the rewards of capitalism is bad. That's what he was taught. We were taught that. It's a different, different concept to say, let's create a system that cares about people. Let's, let's see what people want first. And then we create the tools necessary to give this to people. Remember, capitalism is nothing more than a tool. It's a man-made tool. It's not something divine. It's not something that was given to us by God or some God, for those who believe in some God. And humanists like me is, well, it wasn't something that was just ordained by the, by the supreme being or whomever. It is man-made. And, of course, it has the biases for the people who created it. And that's why it works the way it does right now. Capitalism is biased for those who are biased to those who created it. And, you know, again, if you're going to create something, unless you're altruistic or maybe unless you have or you're empathetic to the vast majority of people, 
you're going to have something that biases for you. In other words, when the people, when the founding fathers created this country, what did they do? They said the people that the only folks who could vote were landowners. Why did they make it that way? To make sure that they will never lose their land, to make sure that they would always be in command. They were never interested in a real democracy. So as 4th of July comes and we, look, when 4th of July comes, we, we, let's give homage to America. America is a great country getting greater. But America was not always a great country. America is a country that we are making great. We, all, all these individuals that are trying to do better for America, we are the ones that are transforming America into something that was much less than great for the vast majority of people. It was not great for women. It was not great for black people. It was not great for Chinese people. Worse, it was not great at all for the Native Americans. And I know people like to say, get off of it. That's a long time ago. The reality is we're still living with those realities, the poverty in the black community, the, the, the outright poverty in, in, in the Indian community, the poverty in Appalachia, the poverty in white America Appalachia is a direct result of indentured servitude, slavery, and the killing of, uh, and the, killing of the mass. Look, we have to be frank, celebrate the 4th of July with pride because of all the countries there's there's no country on the planet that was altruistic. There's no country on the planet that didn't have the bad things that America did. So, you know, I, I don't, I'm not here to say, oh, bad America, bad America. No, America is us. America is me. America is you. We are the ones who are going to make this country great, make it better. I hate to use that phrase that the, the man likes to use. But we are the ones that are going to constantly improve it and make it better. But the only way you can do that is if you can actually say, these are the reasons we have problems. Let us solve the problems. Now, back to healthcare. I'm sorry for that little offtake, but I kind of, you know how I get sometimes. I have to get into that modal every so often. Mr. Griggs, Greg Dick, how you doing, my brother? Talk to me. And please, it's not Egberto with two Gs. It's one G. Although sometimes my head wants to crack like an egg when I hear some of the things that I hear. But anyway, so folks, marching orders. I don't know if you saw the video that I did two, two days ago or a few days ago, where I said, let's use these as marching orders. Uh, but before I get into the marching orders, I'm going to get back to John. And folks, I'd love for other people to call. Give me a call. You have the number. That number is, and I'm going to have to expand my screen again. I have it written in, written in the notes, but the number is 646-929-2495. I'd love to hear some of your voices if you can. 646-929-2495. A lot of people uh, on that, that went through uh, uh, Facebook Live. And we have several people on, on uh, let's see here, on Blog Talk Radio. But anyway, come back in, my friend John. I know you have some more to say. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, 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 as far as capitalism in general, I mean, I know you've been speaking about this. It's been a big topic uh, among uh, a lot of the millennials also because there's more of a, a shifting kind of away from capitalism. And I think this is – I mean, you know – there's so many variations. I mean, if, if you look at, you know, before, let's say, the uh, America, you know, from post-World War to the to the Reagan era, I mean, I think that that that, that kind. I mean, you're right. You're absolutely right about uh, about black people being oppressed, about uh, uh, you know, Latin Latinos being oppressed. I mean, all of that is very essential, and we need to we continue to talk about that. We can't just forget that. But I mean, in general, as far as economic policy, uh, it was it was 
much better there, during that time period. And so, like, you know, all of these things, like, you know, the, the introduction of uh, trickle-down economics and how it has sustained itself, you know, since the early 80s. I mean, because right now the 39.6% is, is not a, an effective tax rate for the highest earners. I mean, uh, you know, because before before Reagan came into office, it was 70%. So you had a lot more uh, essential uh, – the the economy was was moving towards the working class. It was moving towards right. the middle class, right. and so I mean that so that was all within a capitalist structure. So I don't really you know I mean I agree that there should be you know a mixed economies in certain certain things, and I think healthcare is one of them. There are certain items you know, and I think uh, you know health uh, education is also something that should be you know uh, put, put you know put forward. Uh, and, and and so you know, but I mean, the idea that is that you know, I mean, like I'm I'm a lover of the arts, and so like the basic communication. You see somebody you know playing a guitar, playing a saxophone. Maybe they're in the band. You know, I used to live in New York, so they would play in subways, and just that idea. Like I like what you're playing. I'm gonna give you some money. That's that's a simple capitalist. And there's nothing wrong with that. What's wrong is when we have, you know, all the greedy people, and I think one of your commenters, Jessica, made a good point about that, and you, you read it. I mean, it's like unregulated, unbridled capitalism. I mean, th and this is what Marx talked about. I mean, I don't, I, and I think actually that was his most effective point was right. that saying saying that you know here are all the excesses of capital caused by greed. And we need to put human needs before greed. And so, when you talk about single payer, that's that's what it that's what essentially what you're talking about. Like like right. Jimmy Kimmel when he's talking about somebody, you know, how his his child was born with a birth defect. Right. I mean, a single payer really is the only way that that can be. A hundred percent effective because that that mother and the father they could be struggling and right. when they're struggling you know and, and they're not in in a state that has now if they're in a state that has the Medicaid uh, uh, advantage not advantage but the the Medicaid expansion they would be covered and California right. is that state but I mean the states that don't have it like here in Texas. You know, in all these other states, they're not covered, and so single payer. So it's essentially, do you have money to to afford insurance for your new child? And mm -hmm. single payer would take care of that. And the ACA, they still give you that option. They still say, if you don't want to get it, you can pay that fine. Well, if your child yeah. is born with a birth defect, when you're paying that fine, that's not going to help you at all. You that's need to have fact. that, and and that's what single payer does. Right. And, you know, I mean, it, it is so much more efficient as well, because what let me tell you how I really envision it. I envision that immediately. And this is why I have I, been very hard on Democrats, because I think what Republicans do is they push an ideology and they fit everything around their ideology. We push uh, a data and we know what the data says. Right. So my, my thing is, I want I want Democrats out there saying several things. And I had these these uh, three marching orders that I spoke about earlier this, um, this, this week for what, what, what I would hope progressives would be doing right now. And that is one, continue those phone calls, keep striking at all your, uh, and both your national congressmen, 
your national senator, etc., but also your local senator and Congress people. Because again, look at Texas. In Texas here, what we've done is we've murdered a whole lot of our citizens by not passing the Medicaid expansion to Obamacare. Had we had more people involved locally, not just thinking nationally, but locally, we would have had we would have had at least Obamacare, uh, uh, the, the Medicaid expansion to Obamacare. So the first marching order was, folks, get out there and keep calling these politicians and let them know you're engaged. Because what they believe is if they don't hear from you, they can do things that even though we as activists, we are raising bloody murder, we are raising hell in the street, they're not worried because the vast majority of Americans are not engaged. What the Indivisible Movement has done so far is we have showed a whole lot of engagement with Americans. In fact, that's what we've been doing since, you know, since the movement started. That's why we're going to have several things here in, in Texas in the next few days where we're going to be having all these health care rallies, et cetera. And, and, and we have the weekly walk-ins to the, to the senators and the Congress people's office. We have to continue. So that is the uh, point number one. Number two is we need to start telling Democrats they need to stop being reactive. As Jessica said, they, they, they have to stop just playing defense. They have to play offense. Whenever they, they have to have that talking point, as soon as a question is asked, what do you think about Trump care or, 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 or do you support Trump care? The first thing that should be out of your mouth should have nothing to do with Trump care. The first thing out of your mouth, because you want people engaged at your answer, and that's where they're going to be. The first thing out of your mouth is going to be currently what is occurring is our system is before we even get to Trump care, the Republicans are decimating Obamacare. They're doing, they're, they're they're not advertising Obamacare. Number, number, that's not the first one you want to use, of course. But what they're doing with Obamacare is already they've passed the risk, the risk corridors that prevent insurance companies from having good prices. They're also not advertising Obamacare as they should. And they're putting a whole lot of uncertainty in the markets which are trying to increase the cost of Obamacare. And Americans are going to see that in October. In October, Americans are going to get the shock of their life. And it's not going to be the cause of Obamacare. It's going to be the cause of everything that the Republicans are doing to undermine Obamacare to make Trump care seem like a necessity in as much as it's bad. And then they can say how bad Trump care is. In other words, Americans need to be prepared to understand that no matter what happens in health care going forward, it is the Republicans who have destroyed it. And therefore, the last point that I say that we need to be working on is some of the things that we spoke here about, and that is the benefits of single-payer Medicare for all. In other words, we are working towards a transition from an improved Obamacare morphine into single payer, and then we make the argument that there are 35 major industrialized countries in this world, and only one, only one country does not have a form of universal health care. And, and again, and most or several of those use a single payer system, but even those that don't have a single payer system have a system that is so regulated that it is virtually a single-payer system because the freedom of the individual, the freedom of the individual to get health care is there. So we're not talking about freedom for the insurance companies. We're not talking about freedom for the corporations. We're not talking about freedom for the health, for the hospitals. We're talking for the freedom for every individual American, the freedom to be able to access health care, the freedom not only access health care, but use health care. And that is a narrative Democrats should be out there singing day after day after day, yet they refuse to do it because 
it's either they don't know how to fight or they are on the take. I want to put an interjection here with regards to drug companies because this is one of the biggest evils within our system. I want to use something like the EpiPen. That EpiPen that, they, that this big company, I don't remember who makes the EpiPen, decided to raise its price by several hundred percent from what used to cost $100, even though it only cost about 3 bucks to make the whole damn thing, $3, and we're going to pay six to $700 for it. But here's the worst part about this, my friends. The worst part about this is that is technology developed by whom? You. You, the American taxpayer, developed the EpiPen. And then they milk us for that old technology, and our Congress people or senators stay back and allow a system a system that they call more efficient because it's private. No, it is more pilfering because it's private. Privacy, or rather, in our healthcare system, the private market is an oxymoron. We do not believe, or we should not believe, and it's our job as activists, it is our job to go out there and preach the true word with the examples Real-life examples, because that is what we are not good at. We are good at elitism. We can tell you the numbers. Well, if you, if you know the marginal propensity to consume of something or whatever. Look, I studied Economics 101 and a few economics on my own as well. But, this, but we can't do that. We have to go down to where people are. And that's how we reach people. We don't reach them by telling them how bad or wrong they are. We tell the politicians how bad or how wrong they are. They're politicians. But we empathize with people, even those that we consider dumb. We don't, we don't say that. We empathize with these people. Actually, we need these people. We talk to them. We try to convince them. Remember, they had years of indoctrination that we have to solve. But folks, we're getting to the end of the program, so I'm going to ask my very good friend and always partner, Mr. John, to give us a closing statement. Okay. Uh, I agree with you that the, the Democrats, to some degree, they are kind of uh, emboldened to the insurance companies, but I think just as, as much – is that they're afraid of the tax burden. I mean, and I don't really have time to, to get into it, but I mean, I've, I've talked about this several times on your show. And there will be a pretty large tax increase, you know, and it, it's just a matter of, you know, does, does America have the moral justification to do this? And so many countries in Europe, and, you know, we, we've talked about this Australia, Japan, New Zealand, they've already come to this conclusion many decades ago. So, I mean, we need to. We need to realize that you know we need to help the people who need it the most need right. the help, and this is this will happen through taxpayer dollars, and there will be a tax increase, but everybody will be covered, and that is the moral bottom line, and so that's what we need to to understand, and we need to talk about this a little bit more too, you know, because. Uh, I mean, you know, you look at Ossoff and the Republicans are running ads, you know, talking in Trump's tweets, talking about tax increases, tax increases, and that's still one of their major issues to to motivate their voting base. Thank so, you very much. I mean, thank you, John, for being here all of the time. Thank you for for your excellent input. John is right. Uh, single pair means tax increases, but also single pair means no premiums that you pay. So therefore, in as much as that's the case. Your bottom line, you pay a whole lot more money. So 
your effective financial situation is much better and we need to learn how to narrate that to our people and then once that comes across we can make that change that's why i said we fix obamacare and we morph the single payer as we go ahead and educate the american people folks thank you so this time for me please remember share 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 these videos because that is how we inform the populace this is politics done right i'm Egberto willis you have a wonderful rest of the day take care buddy